the man left Jesus grieved. He's face to face with the Messiah. Picture it. Picture yourself face to face with Jesus. Jesus, what do I need to do? Follow the commandments. Which ones? Listen. He says, I've done it. What else? Go and sell all you have. Give it to the poor. And come follow me. And what happened? The man went away grieving. What a challenging scripture for us this morning. See, because the question being asked is, who is going to be your God? Who are you going to serve? Who is going to be in control of your life? And Jesus gives us a choice. What's the most important thing? Are you going to serve me? Or are you going to get consumed by the things of the world? Which is it? You know, my, my, the sermon series we're starting is, is called Discovering Gravity. And, and it's true that stuff has a gravity that holds us down. And, and if we're not careful, we can wake up one day and we're forced to come face to face with Jesus. And he asks us a question. And we're not ready for the answer. Who are you going to serve? And, and it could be, here's the thing. If it had been another person coming to Jesus who had another issue, maybe it wasn't money or possessions, but, but something else, the answer that Jesus would have given him would have probably been a different answer. But it would have been something like this. Why don't you lay down, fill in the blank, and come and follow me? The question for the church today, the question for us today is, who is going to be Lord of our lives? Who's going to be in charge of our life? I really don't like that question because I don't like what it forces me to answer. You're probably the same way because it's easy to say, oh yeah, Jesus is Lord, until it, you press on that thing in your life that you don't want to let go of, and then it becomes painful. So the man went away grieving. I have grieved all week long this past week, and and partly because I've had to repent of, of the things that I've held on to. And, and partly because of where I've seen the church headed. And partly because I've just been traveling for too long and I'm tired, you know. But, but uh, this last week, uh, many of you might know, some of you don't know, I was in Chicago all week. I got home last night. And, and, I, and I, was, I was, you know, I came up here last night to, you know, go over my sermon again and and I just felt, no, we're not going that direction. We're going to go a different direction. And so I'm going to share with you kind of my week from Chicago. And hopefully tie it all together. We'll see where it ends up. Uh, but, but Chicago was kind of this contrast of who are we going to serve? As many of you know, uh, the Methodist church is in a crisis. And so you guess, you get to hear Family. Don't you hate it when you're with uh, 
with someone and they start arguing and you hear family things that you're like, ooh, I didn't want to be there. <laughs> yeah, good morning. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, it, it's, it's still relevant for all of us because the question is, who are we going to serve? The, the, the Methodist church has been in a crisis and, and, and the way that crisis has uh, come about the, the, the issue that is in the papers and is on everybody's lips is the issue of homosexuality. Well, I'll, I'll just name what the issue has been. You know, what are we going to do about that issue? But here's the thing. That's not the issue. It's just the thing we like to argue and fight and debate and beat each other up about in the church we, on either side. And we can argue the issue of homosexuality and have a debate about it. But here's what we as Methodists say. We believe all people are of sacred worth to God. All people are of sacred worth. However, we also say that the practice of homosexuality, not those who are gay, but the practice of is incompatible with Scripture and teaching. So that's a challenge for us as Christians. How do we walk that out with people? That's where it gets Sticky. I, I'm always willing to walk with people through their issues because we, got, we all got them. So before we start throwing stones, we have to remember we all got issues. But, but this is the, the, the issue that we've been arguing over. But it's a deeper issue. The issue really is who is going to be our God? Who are we going to serve? What are we going to be faithful to? What is the covenant that we have been called to? Are we called to follow Christ and his leading and scripture and be faithful to the covenant that we said we'd be a part of? Or are we going to follow something else? And, we, and I saw that played out this week in Chicago. And so for Monday through Thursday, I was at a Board of Ordained Ministry training. B-O-M. Again, we like acronyms, Methodist. Board of Ordained Ministry. B-O-M training. And what the Board of Ordained Ministry is, it's a... a a committee of the conference, Northwest Texas Conference. And, and what we do is we take people who feel that they're called to ministry. When they say, hey, I think I'm called to be uh, to ministry, we take them from that point and help them through that whole process to when they become ordained. That's our job as members of the Board of Ordained Ministry. And what we do, my job is the discernment coordinator. I help that person who's coming in the system say, is this where I'm supposed to be? And, and we take tests and we help them and hopefully nurture them as they go through that process. So I was going to a BOM training in Chicago. So after about a day and a half, I was asking myself, I'm not sure I'm Methodist because what they're saying and what I believe are hitting heads. In fact, a lot of our agencies are really trying to force us into positions we don't want to take. Uh, and, and this has been happening for a while. Uh, and and I, when I say this, I've rarely, if ever, have put down anybody's worship. But the worship there was the worst I've ever experienced in any sit setting. Uh, and, and, and it's training for all this process, yet it was theologically slanted in a way that I thought, I'm not sure I'm Methodist, because this is not what I believe. This is not who I am. In fact, let me kind of sum up an experience that took place. Uh, we have a clergy, uh, a female clergy uh, in our conference that was there with us. We had about eight people from our conference there. Eight, one of them uh, decided to just, you know, pick a roommate from anywhere 
because this was a gathering of United Methodists from around the U.S. Uh, and she got, a, I believe, as a clergy person, a female from Seattle. And so they were talking. They had some struggles during the week, but they were talking the last, uh, the, the last day. And this clergy person from Seattle had a lot of concerns about the conference because for her, it was a little too conservative. Now, of all the descriptors I would have used for that conference, that would not have been one of the words that I used. <laughs> and, and pressed her a little more on this. Uh, let me find the quote here. She felt elements of the event were too conservative for her. Hear this. She was uncomfortable taking communion that had a sense of atonement coming through Christ's sacrifice. That's what we're facing. That's the issue. It's not homosexuality. That's something we can debate and argue all day long. But this, I don't even know what communion is if you don't have that. She was uncomfortable taking communion that had a sense of atonement coming through Christ's sacrifice. That's the battle that the church is in. That's the, the struggle that we face. And, and why is it, it? But see, this is the struggle the church has always faced. Why? Because the church is made up of you and I. Yeah? And what happens when you and I get together is oftentimes when we're not intentional, we want to do it our way, don't we? And, and, and oftentimes we forget to pray about what does God want for us. And oftentimes we think our our thing is better than God's thing. Oftentimes we get so sidetracked, I'm guilty. I am guilty. And I had to repent all week of, of taking the kingdom of God too flippantly, of not being as committed as I need to be to the kingdom, of not teaching, of not praying enough, of not seeking his face, of not desiring him above the things of the world. Because that's, that's what was happening with this young man in Scripture. Teacher, what must I do to be saved? Well, you have to choose who you're going to serve. You have to choose what's the most important thing in your life. Is it going to be money? Is it going to be power? Is it going to be my family? Is it going to be the, the comforts of life? And Jesus says, I'll have... None of it. It doesn't matter what side of an aisle, liberal, conservative, otherwise you're on. Who's going to be your Lord? And Jesus constantly says, come to me. And he deals with each of us in our own issues. And so that was the first half of my week. And then on Friday, uh, I got to go to the inaugural meeting of the Wesleyan Covenant Association. And Probably most of you don't even know what that is. Uh, because you probably aren't geek like me and hang out on Methodist chat rooms and all that stuff. But that's what we do. We pastors. But uh, the Wesleyan Covenant Association is an organization that was started Friday in Chicago of Methodists, United Methodists, who are seeking to uphold and be faithful Orthodox Methodists. To do what we say we're going to do. To believe what we say we believe. And to not break the covenant that we have come together in. 
the church has said over the years what we believe and who we are, and it is voted constantly, and, and, and this is who we are. But we have many in the church who are intentionally breaking covenant. Again, I, I can have debates all day long about uh, theological differences, but when it comes to covenant and covenant breaking, I get a little aggravated, and, and, and I get frustrated. And, and I can't tell you what a contrast Friday was to the rest of the week, because Friday we worshiped. We sang songs that I actually knew and that, that most people knew. It was, we had preachers. It was uplifting. It was revival. And it was a calling to the church, to the Methodist church, saying, you know, we still have a calling as Methodists. We have forgotten our calling oftentimes. We get so blinded. We, we, we let the gravity of the world press us down that we, we don't move where we're supposed to be moving and this calling was for all of us, conservative, liberal, it didn't matter. Who are you going to serve? Who are we going to serve? Who are we going to be about? We are going to be about proclaiming God's word, about giving and alleviating the suffering of the poor. That is our calling as Methodists. But it is also about truth, proclaiming God's righteousness and his holiness. It is both. It is, it is social justice and it is truth and holiness combined together. That's what makes us Methodist. It's not just one or the other. If you have one or the other and not the other side, you do not have the church. On one side, you have a social club like the Rotaries or Lions. On the other side, you have a fundamentalist church that doesn't have a lot of fun or grace. But we're about grace and holiness. And so... Friday helped my soul because after a day and a half, I'm thinking I have to leave something because I'm not sure what this is. But by Friday, I was renewed again and reminded again of my calling, reminded again of, of who I'm supposed to be, a person that lives life with others, that lives with people in our mess, but says, you know what? I know you have a mess because I have a mess too. But we're going to work on that mess together based on what God tells us, based on his calling, that our calling is to proclaim Christ. Our calling is to be faithful to him. In fact, this is my calling. But 1 Corinthians 1, 23, but we preach Christ crucified, which is a scandal to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is God's power and God's wisdom. This is because the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. That's who we are called to be. So, how will we leave today? Will we leave grieving because the cost is too high to follow Christ? Or will we leave renewed because of God's power and grace that heals, that transforms lives? That's my prayer. In fact, I'm going to show a video here in just a second. This was from the opening of the WCA event. Again, Wesleyan Covenant, so we like acronyms, remember? WCA. Uh, that was, for me, very inspiring. And, and again, a call to repentance and a call uh, to be faithful to who God is. Let's, let's watch. 
In a dark time when the church had lost its way, God created a movement that would change the world. As a nation's economy moved from agrarian to industrial, a few reaped the benefits and amassed great wealth. But many were displaced and marginalized. Life was cheap. Children labored in the harshest of conditions. Drunkenness and debauchery were common, and the masses lived in poverty and squalor. At the same time, the church had become powerless and ineffective, unconcerned about the physical needs of the poor or the spiritual desperation of the lost. Content to be little more than a social institution, the church was irrelevant to the brokenness it was created to heal. But God, in his love for the world, warmed the heart of a young clergyman at a prayer meeting on Aldersgate Street. Who would later write, I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. With passion and power, John Wesley began to preach salvation by grace alone, called upon the followers of Jesus to live holy lives, and worked for the transformation of society. Misunderstood, opposed, and even attacked by the very church he loved and desired to save, John Wesley would not be deterred. Proclaiming the gospel in the coal mines and the open fields, riding on horseback over a quarter of a million miles, preaching 40,000 sermons, and organizing new believers into small groups for encouragement and accountability. Wesley began a mighty movement that would convert hundreds of thousands, save a nation, and revive the church. Methodism crossed the Atlantic to a new land, taking to heart Wesley's charge to be prepared at a moment's notice to pray, preach, or die, the early circuit riders struck out into the American frontier. So difficult and dangerous was their mission that half of them died before they were 30 years old. But because of their sacrifice, for decades, Methodism would be the most powerful movement of God on the continent reforming the morals of a nation and reaching lost souls who needed to hear the gospel. Now, in our time, a new movement is being born. In the hearts and minds of believers who long for God to do in our time what he has done before. In the midst of a culture that is broken, hurting, and lost. At a time when the church again seems to have lost its way, Men and women are praying for a powerful move of God's Holy Spirit. They desire to join together and seek God's blessing that the gospel might be proclaimed with power. The church might be renewed and a hurting culture might find hope and life in Jesus Christ. For the last 2,000 years, the gospel, wherever it has been proclaimed faithfully and lived out by servant communities, who love and care for the world as their Lord did. This gospel has for two millennia spoken to every culture and tribe who has heard it. Transforming hearts and bringing hope to desperate souls. In our own time, 
courageous servants like the early circuit riders and like Wesley himself are sharing the good news of Jesus Christ in hostile places. And witnessing a harvest unlike any other time in history. Today, a new movement is being launched. A diverse global connection of warm-hearted Wesleyans filled with gratitude for those who have gone before them. United by their commitment to the Orthodox Christian faith. Compelled to tell the old, old story in the most innovative ways. Committed to the proclamation of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Dedicated to serving the poor and disenfranchised. Certain that we are to walk into the future together. And unashamed of the gospel of Christ, which is the power of God and the hope of the world. We have such a great heritage as Methodists. Vital piety connected with working for those who the rest of the world forgets. And that is our call. That is our reminder this morning. Who are you going to serve? A great illustration was given. When I go to heaven and I'm met by Christ and he asks me, if you can imagine, where are your scars? And if I say, what do you mean scars? I, I don't have any scars. He said, well, what did you do? Did you not fight for anything worth fighting for? That's the calling for us as Methodists. I do believe that God uh, is not finished with the Methodist church, but in two years we'll know, one way or another, uh, because of certain things going on. But, so I hope you'll be praying for the church. That, that's part of my call today, is here, here's your homework. Pray for the church. Number two, I want you to ask yourself the question, will I go away grieving? What is keeping me from being faithful to God? What things do I need to let go of? What things do I need to get rid of? Give it to the poor, those in need. That will help me be more faithful to follow God. And then also, if you're like me and you need to repent of some things and, and maybe start again and pray, now's the time.